Welcome to RailPass. I'm your host, Sarah Hardy, Division Manager of Visitor Experience with the Southern California Railway Museum, located in Paris, California. Join me as we learn more about the Railway Museum and meet the people who volunteer, work, play, partner, and engage with our museum. All aboard for our next great adventure. Hello, today we're gonna talk about emergency services here at the Southern California Railway Museum. As an operating railroad, it's important that our museum is prepared to handle certain situations that can arise as the result of operating rail equipment. Um, And to help our listeners understand this side of our museum, I've invited Chris Baldwin to speak with us today. He is the emergency services coordinator Um, Before we get started, do you want to introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, whatever the case may be when you're listening to this. I'm Chris Baldwin. I've been with the Southern California Railway Museum since 2015, where I started as an operator running PCC cars and electric trolleys and trains out here. And as I've spent more time uh, here at the museum, I uh, have moved forward and, and onward with things I do out here but I still maintain my qualifications to run those cars. (laughs) So how did you get started on the emergency services side? So I have uh, 16 years of of prior experience uh, in Southern California with emergency rescue uh, agencies, um, trained along with CAL FIRE and whatnot. And looking at the big picture of the museum and how our operations are and what's on the property and the value or in this case pricelessness of uh, of our artifacts here at the museum i got together with our our vice president mr hank Wynn, and i said hey we uh we really ought to look at doing some of the fire protection and emergency response work in-house based on the size of the property we're 110 acres roughly along with just under two miles of right away uh, we had a look at at doing some of this in house because Cal Fire, who's our local uh, uh, fire protection agency within the city of Paris, they they could get tied up on something major, and we could be stuck out here. Well, since we are in somewhat of a rural rural area, mm-hmm. we could be stuck out here having to fend for ourselves, and that has happened in the past. So. Yeah. So we uh, we agreed we were going to give it a shot, and that was in 2020. Oh wow! So recent. It is recent. It's. Uh, it's a newer thing. It's been met with uh, a lot of support and some, uh, some not so much. But for the most part, we're moving forward with it. So you decided to add this division in 2020 to help protect the collection. And where did it go from there? What equipment did you need? Did you already have stuff on site? The first thing we did is I went out and purchased a... Um, an old 1997 Ford F Super Duty uh, truck that was a prior uh, City of Hesperia water distribution truck. It's pretty neat. It's got a lot of cabinets and whatnot on it. And we sold some radio assets that were not of use to us here at the museum to fund a fire skid to go on the back of that truck. So it carries 250 gallons of water, and it's got hoses and its own pump on it so that's mounted on the back of that truck and that's that's where our uh, our first piece of apparatus came from um, 
How soon after getting that started did you get to use it? We had our first response with that truck probably three or four months after it was completed. Um, it went out on a few calls before that with fire extinguishers because that's all we had at the time. <laughs> um, but it's it's proven invaluable. Yeah. These calls that you went on, are they were they the result of just like naturally occurring brush fires or were they something that was actively started by having an operating historic railroad? Most of these fires are, are, are of an unknown origin. Um, we, we've been able to determine along with CAL FIRE in the past that fireworks have started some of these things. Um, there's been times in the past where we've suspected that wheel slip might have been a, a, a contributing factor to a small brush fire starting. But by and large, it's not a result of us operating a historic railroad. That's, uh, that's not the causative agent of, of a lot of these brush fires. It's just the fact that we're in a rural area. Yeah. And obviously, most of our responses happen in the summertime mm-hmm. when it's uh, really hot out. And dry. And dry, exactly. And we do have a, uh, a homeless contingent in the area of the museum. Uh, we get a lot of people that walk their animals and whatnot, and someone could just be smoking a cigarette out there. And and it's that easy to start Oh, absolutely. Yeah, with, it a, with a light escalate. breeze and, and brush out there, even if it's just short brush, mm-hmm. it'll still start a grass fire. We've had, you know, starts that end up 100 by 100 that we've had to go out and deal with. Um, and we weren't even operating trains that day. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, there's a lot of other factors at play. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's we'll have Cal Fire come out if, if it's anything of, of – reasonable size if we go out there and look at this and go yeah that's outside of our capability to handle we'll, we'll get them started right away and do what we can while we're waiting for them but yeah that I'd head say, start is probably appreciated too though oh absolutely they've they've shown up when we've handled it and said oh okay thanks so after this first uh ford truck that you kind of created mm-hmm. what was the second piece the second piece we got was a uh, 2004 Crown Victoria um, car, and I had come across that on uh, Craigslist or something like that, and it was really cheap because it had an engine issue. So I bought that and brought it out to the museum, the idea being a, uh, a crew car so that if additional people needed to come out, you know, the engine can hold, only really hold two people. So we'd have this crew car. But it had a bad engine, so I bought a replacement engine for it, and we we pulled the engine out of this Crown Victoria here at the museum, Yeah. <laughs> put a new one in, fired it up after we changed it out, and, and it, it just it worked. So that car is back on its feet. And uh, after that, I was thinking, you know, your, your division, we, are, we fall under plant and uh, facilities for, for the Fire and Emergency Services Unit, so that's... I wanted to mention that before I get too far off. We're not actually our own division as much as we are just a sub subset of plant and facilities. We fall under the, uh, the VP, Chief Operating Officer, and GM for, for management. But we're only as good as the equipment that we have and our ability to respond. And mm-hmm. the mind, mindset of, well, what happens if the truck is down or out for maintenance and we get a call? And I was... Uh, I was looking at YouTube videos of old brush trucks 
going to calls just out of boredom. And I happened to notice that Sacramento Metro Fire was still using early, early 90s Ford Super Duty trucks for brush responses as recent as, you know, a year ago from the video. And I thought to myself, you know, these things are 30 years old. Yeah. I wonder if they're ever going to replace them in the near future. So I, on a whim, reached out to Sac Metro Fire and asked them if they uh, plan on retiring any of these things soon. And they said, yeah, we're, we're getting ready to. If you're interested, send us a request on Letterhead, and we'll see if our chief approves it. And if he does, then uh, we'll put you in, in our first-come, first-served list of people to donate these things to, since we are an IRS 501c3. And I didn't think anything of it. I figured, well, you know, that's nice. I'll probably not hear from him. Yeah. And uh, nine months later, I get an email from that same gentleman I was working with up there, and he said, well, we've got this. Here's pictures. Uh, let us know immediately if you want it or not, because there's other people in line for it. And I took a look at this thing, and I was like, wow. <laughs> Any other department would have said that thing's a relic, but I looked at this and said, wow. I said, okay, we'll take it. I'll fly up the first of next month and pick it up. I oh, said, wow. He said, that's fine. Uh, so I, I got on a... Uh, on a train down to San Diego, got on a bus from the train to the airport, got on the aircraft, flew up to Sacramento, took an Uber to the fire department. This is public transit and multimodal <laughs> trip. Yeah. And I got there, and, and here's this, this fire engine waiting for us. And I just couldn't believe what – I mean, it was like looking at something brand new for what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, picked it up. And got to all the service records with it and drove it back from Sacramento to Paris and uh, stopped overnight halfway to recharge. But that's our engine 427. We kept the original number that it was assigned when it worked up in Sac Metro. And that's a 450-gallon um, tank on that. It's got foam. And uh, it's a diesel F Super Duty, 1990, and it's registered as a historic vehicle because it is, and that gives us the ability to take it out to parades. We had oh, it in the, yeah. Uh, we had it in the uh, Paris Christmas Parade this past year, and that was really enjoyed uh, by the community. We had a, a great time doing it. It was excellent, excellent PR for the museum. It's just a lot of fun, so we're going to try and. Uh, and do that again next year and maybe expand it out to the uh, the neighboring cities here in Paris mm -hmm. to, to show them what we're doing and, and let them know the museum's here. But having two engines really uh, really helps us out. If we get something sizable, we'll be able to, to bring both engines out. And... Yeah, so that was going to be my next question. Like going from your first one to this one, now what kind of calls are you prepared to be able to answer? Uh, we can handle slightly larger um, incidents. Uh, fire incidents with it, we would still start Cal Fire immediately if it was anything of of uh, of reasonable size. But we uh, we can handle things that are a little bit a little bigger than we normally could, and we can also take an engine out of service for upgrades or maintenance or whatnot, and and not be in a situation where we can't do something. We don't do structure fire protection. That's mm -hmm. uh, that's an entirely different. 
that's an entirely different kind of flying altogether. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would be something we'd start Cal Fire for. We'll try and fight it from the outside, but we don't go running into burning buildings or anything. That's, again, that's, that's, a, that's a totally different type of firefighting from, from brush, uh, brush responses and whatnot. We'll do the best we can, but that's going to be a, uh, a handle for the highly trained guys. Does that make up your whole fleet then, the two Ford and the Crown Vic? We have another Crown Vic that is a long, sad story that we did not go looking for. It came to us. Um, that's a that's a story for another day. But now we have two crew cars and two engines. What that does allow us to do, though, is uh, during large events, we will actually set up two temporary uh, fire stations, for lack of a better term. So we'll put an engine and a crew car on one side of the property and an engine and a crew car on the other side of the property. And if we have an incident occur during a big event, we'll just go to the nearest set of equipment and off we go. That's nice. That helps eliminate having to like drive through the property, which on a really big event can exactly. be really slow and cumbersome. Yeah, it's difficult to get uh, to get through the crowds and whatnot. We usually, anytime we uh, we need to go on an incident or something, we'll go through the back way where the uh, the crowds aren't. That also allows us to get there a little quickly, a little more quickly than usual. But all our equipment's uh, equipped with red lights and sirens and radios and all that stuff. Um, obviously, we can't operate that on city streets or anything like that. But within our within our own uh, property, um, we can. Um, all of our vehicles, except for engine four two seven, are are uh, are not registered for the street. It's just too expensive. Mm-hmm. The four twenty seven because it goes out and does uh, PR work. We've had it in the uh, Antique Truck Historical Society shows a couple okay, of times. Yeah. So um, we keep that one registered as a, as a historic vehicle. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty well equipped for stuff, for, uh, for who we are and what we're doing. Yeah. So since it's like inception in 2020, how has emergency services grown today? Um, aside from obviously our fleet getting bigger, we've brought on a couple of guys that are uh, career fire guys. Uh, we have a, uh, a gentleman by the name of Andy Spada who lives in the Canyon Lake area, who's gotten really involved with the, uh, with the museum, uh, so much so that he's actually been appointed the museum's fire marshal. And what does that involve? Uh, he can perform all the inspections and work with the sprinkler companies and the fire protection alarm companies and the extinguisher companies to make sure all that work's being done properly. Um, he also functions as the um, hazmat officer for the museum, okay. which allows him uh, in both uh, positions to go out and inspect work being done, how it's being done, hazards, uh, hazardous materials, how they're being stored, handled, and disposed of. Um, he actually has authority to stop any work or train operations or anything out here that he deems necessary. Of course, he doesn't flex his muscles like that unless <laughs> it's a real dire situation. But uh, he does have all the authorities on the property that any city fire marshal would. Uh, and he's a 37-year career guy with uh, a few departments here in, in Southern California and just a real pleasure to work with Um did he reach out to you to get involved? He or did. How? He he actually was a, a patron at the uh, Polar Express a few years ago prior to uh, COVID. 
and he was still working at the time. And he said, oh, when I retire, maybe I'll uh, come out here and see you. And uh, once uh, COVID was over, he, uh, he came out and he said, hey, I want to get involved in this. So, uh, and he did. He's, uh, he's gotten a, a lot of uh, uh, personal protective equipment, Nomex firefighting gear donated from other departments in the oh, area. Wow. So we've got the proper safety equipment to be doing what we're doing. Um, he's brought a lot of people out. He's interfaced with the uh, uh, Cal Fire Station here in, in Paris to improve our relationship with them, make sure they know who we are, what we're doing, and what we're not doing. And uh, just, it, it's a really great guy. He's uh, he's brought us leaps and bounds. I've learned, again, I, I, I learn stuff from him all the time. And having a career guy like that on the staff just uh, makes us a more professional group of people. We've got another gentleman who's a career firefighter out of San Bernardino who's wanting to get involved. And uh, we're working on that right now, getting him set up. Nice. Um, and we're, we're open to taking... Uh, Folks that are interested in getting involved in this, if you've got prior public safety experience, police or fire or public works or dealing with stuff like that, and you want to come out and look at this and maybe get involved, that'd be great. Uh, existing members and new members coming in, we, we really like folks that are fresh and don't have any experience to, to get involved with the museum and other departments so they can have a feel for how things work and, mm -hmm. and more so than that, where everything is. Yeah, it's a big property. It is. It's a very big property, and a, a lot of consideration uh, doesn't happen for the amount of right-of-way that we've got. Mm -hmm. Again, it isn't huge, but if you get a brush fire down that right-of-way, you're going to need to know, well, how do you get a vehicle into all these places? Yeah. And what kind of fuels are you dealing with? with out there that's feeding the fire and um, things like that so we, we like folks to have six months more more preferably a year of service out here at the museum if they don't have any prior public safety experience um, before they before they come and approach us for for service but obviously when we get career firefighters in here, we just drop them right into service <laughs> and say, hey, You'll figure there it you out. go. You'll figure <laughs> it out. Just talk to Andy. He knows. <laughs> Is there any moment that stands out to you, like a call that you've been on? or? We had a uh, maternity case on the property. For major events, we handle all the medical responses. Okay. Um, to a first aid level, anything past first aid, uh, CPR, and AED is obviously going to be a uh, a city handle. We're not EMTs. We don't claim to be EMTs. We don't perform EMT functions. It's strictly first aid, Good Samaritan level stuff. Mm -hmm. But we uh, we had a maternity case here on the property at the last Thomas that she didn't give birth on the property, but a few more minutes and maybe. Yeah. We never did find out what the outcome <laughs> of that was, but we're pretty sure we know. So that, that stands out as uh, uh, an interesting case. I know. I mean, I've only been with the museum for two years, and that was during one of my Thomases. And it makes a big difference to have, you know, you and emergency services present at these events to kind of take lead when those situations come up because yeah, they do. Yeah, it, it, it's – and especially having more than one of us now, it uh, – it gives good peace of mind to the visiting public, and, mm -hmm. and to a degree, I think the membership as well, as they start to see what we do, how we do it, and the quality of the service we strive to provide. Um, 
you know, we've gotten to the point where since we handle our own first aid responses, we're actually saving a considerable sum of money not having to hire a private ambulance company to mm-hmm. sit around and, and... And since all of our events act as one of our major fundraisings for right. the museum, that exactly. makes a big difference in right in how you're supporting the ongoing operations of exactly. the railway and, museum. And, and all of our major events, uh, for the most part, has a... a uh, Riverside County Sheriff's Department presence mm-hmm. as well, and we we interface with them very tightly. We are uh, on a first name, personal cell phone number basis with a lot of the deputies here in Paris, and they're they're aware of again what we do and what we don't do. But uh, getting a, a response from from Riverside County Sheriff when we call in, they know if we're calling, it's for real. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we've been working with uh, the law enforcement side of this as well. We don't perform any law enforcement functions. We don't carry any weapons. We don't have any of that stuff. But uh, besides fire responses, we do provide safety services. Um, if we have a trespasser on the property, um, which we do, the the property tends to attract some interesting individuals from yeah. time to time. <laughs> we'll go out and make contact with them first and find out what's up. And 99% of the time, it's just somebody walking through one of the track gates or, you know, maybe they're under the influence of something and uh, they wandered onto the property. And, you know, kill them with kindness is the, yeah. is the idea there. <laughs> and uh, Just a mistake. Exactly. You know, we, we don't go running up, up uh, on people and giving them a hard time. We just kill them with kindness hey you okay how'd you end up in here yeah you need help getting out and like it is a big property and there are when the trains are operating there is those ways to get inside because yeah absolutely i think i think a lot of folks don't really realize just how big this place is yeah um in addition to what the public normally sees there's a whole lot of behind the scenes that's an event by the way (laughs) coming Uh, up in april exactly um, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff that goes on with regards to maintenance and storage and uh, just stuff that the public doesn't see. And they, there's just as much behind-the-scenes as there is not behind-the-scenes. Yeah, it's all, like a tenth of this place is open to the public. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we've got stacks of ties that are stored back there because when you're building track, you got to have ties. And, you know, these are all, all uh, fuels for fires and whatnot. Yeah. So we um, we keep an eye on that stuff. If it's extremely hot in the summer, we'll patrol those back areas of the property just looking for smoke and mm-hmm. uh, whatnot. And we've, uh, you know, we've had incidents where, hey, why is that burning? Yeah. You know, so we'll go out and take care of it. You know, we've had, uh, we've had a, a transformer fire before that, you know, the the transformer didn't catch on fire, but it arced and, and ignited some brush underneath it. So we, Johnny on the spot with that. Yeah. Um, all kinds of stuff happens on this property. Definitely the size of this place, the location, all makes it really prime for those spot fires, like you're saying. I'm surprised that Fire and Emergency Services is such a new subdivision, mm-hmm. um, but I know that it's, you know, a really great addition to be able to. It is. We this. we also focus on fire prevention uh, just as much as suppression. Um, if there's uh, hot work going on on the property, which is uh, any sort of grinding or welding or uh, surfacing, anything that has the tendency to produce sparks or a potential ignition of a brush or whatnot, 
everybody knows they can request us to come out there while they do that work, and we'll bring an engine out and sit there for as long as we need to uh, while they do their work to uh, prevent uh, anything from happening. And, and uh, our track crews and some of our welders and whatnot, they make use of that. They call us and they say, hey, we're doing hot work. Can you come out and, you know, I'll, I'll drop what I'm doing to go out and take care of that. That's that's what we signed up for yeah uh you know these artifacts on this property are are absolutely priceless Mm -hmm. and they're irreplaceable yeah so we try to do every bit that we can to ensure that those artifacts are protected and there for uh, generations to come to be able to uh, come out and enjoy Thank you so much for taking the time to Absolutely. talk to me and share with our listeners, you know, about the really important work that you do to keep the property safe, our visitors safe, and our collection safe. Well, it's my pleasure. We do it uh, again. Uh, we're all volunteer in this department. Yeah. There's nobody getting paid. It's a it's a labor of love and desire to to keep things going. And uh, if there's one thing I could offer, it's come out and volunteer here at the museum. Come out and not necessarily for fire and emergency services, if that's not your thing. Just come out here and mm-hmm. volunteer. There is something for everyone to do out here at the museum. There is. And I know, as with so many other volunteers, you know, fire and emergency services is just one thing that you do right. on the property. So if you're interested, you know, I'd love to have you back. We can talk about your role with light rail vehicles. And, sure, absolutely. Yeah, be my pleasure. But, yep. Yeah, Come out and volunteer. We, we need more folks out here. This place is only as good as the people that are operating it. So come out and volunteer. <laughs> Thank you so much, Chris. My pleasure. Thank you for joining me today. As you disembark, make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. And visit SoCalRailway.org to view past episodes, photo, video, and bonus material. And also let us know what you would like to hear, who you'd like to meet, and what we can do for the next Rail Pass episodes.